two humorous nurses would like to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which we record our podcast, the Yorta Yorta people. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. BizCare have proudly partnered with the National Breast Cancer Foundation to start a conversation. When's the last time you checked your breasts? Early detection of breast cancer can start with a simple self-assessment. So check your breasts today and be breast aware. Two Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Jessica. Welcome back to part two of Devastating Diagnosis with Brad and Holly Jones. We're going to jump right in and we will catch back up with Brad as he tells us about his second devastating diagnosis. But you weren't only diagnosed with VEDS. Like (laughs) once you'd sort of got used to that diagnosis, you were lumped with the CML diagnosis. How? What was the timeline there? Diagnosed obviously with the VEDS in 2019. It was... 2020, um, was it? During a COVID lockdown. Early January 2020 COVID times, I had had neck pain. You were diagnosed, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You were diagnosed in August 2020. Oh, sorry. Let's start again. So in August 2020. In August 2020, um, COVID times, I had was experiencing a, a bit of constant neck pain. I did it go on for a few days, so I can't. Yeah, you kind of were like, I have a headache and I've got yeah. neck pain. And it kind of went on for a few days. And I was like, I don't think you've slept funny. You've got VEDS. Let's just go get you checked. Yeah, so we followed the procedure, which we've all, after the VEDS diagnosis, they highly recommended anything, the slightest thing, just ring the paramedics and they'll rush you to hospital, um, obviously due to the um nature of beds so anyway we got rushed to the shepparton hospital um and uh, you know on the way there you sort of thinking you had you know 99 it's going to be another beds related issue um we get to the hospital they run all the tests which is um very routine at this stage which is all like the ct scans the contrast blood work um that'll come back fine this time and they said no we don't believe that you've actually had any vascular or you know issues inside and so I'm sort of sitting there going well what why have I had this constant headache and neck pain and it was at that time I think where did you go Hall? you ducked <laughs> out to the cafe or was well, it to the car or they something? had come and said to us oh we've done your blood test your bloods are just taking a bit longer than usual um I'm an asthmatic <laughs> and I was yeah, having, I was, they wouldn't let me in for very long because it was COVID and they had said, oh, you can come in and see him for a bit and then you need to go back outside because we have limits or whatever. And I was like, look, I'll go down to the pharmacy and get my Ventolin because I was having asthma. <laughs> and um, I remember walking back as I said, look, can I go back through to my husband? I'll go home soon and get the kids. And I was walking back and I saw a lady looking real nice and professional sitting and talking with you and I and you looked like a ghost and there was a nurse standing there and then this lady in a professional looking outfit and I was like, who is this lady? And thinking, you've got a visitor, like what? And I remember walking up and it was a social worker and the social worker was sitting there giving him the news that he had leukaemia 
on oh his God. own. Uh, I, and he had said, my wife's coming, and they were telling him, we think you've got leukemia. Um, you need to go and have a bone marrow um, biopsy now. So he was sitting there. I walked up, and I'm like, what's going on? And Brad's like, oh, I've got some bad news. And I was like, oh, no, he's had a freaking major dissection or something. And then I'm like, what's wrong? And then then he's like, oh, I'll let the, the social worker tell you. I was like, yeah. And then she's like, oh, we look, you know, Bradley's bloods were flagged to say that we believe he has chronic myeloid leukemia. And, and to say after all the years of the hospital, the the calls to the ambulances, dealing with all the all the really traumatic sort of stuff, I had never cried. And I was just being strong and I was holding it together. And I remember as soon as I had heard leukemia, having someone pass away close to me um, uh, from the um, recent times, as soon as I heard the word leukemia and then thinking cancer, I absolutely lost it. I remember just bawling and howling like, what? Because it was that instant thought of, oh, my God, he's going to die. Like Mm. I was like, because, you know, you get triggered. And that that was his diagnosis. And for me, like as Holly's coming back from this little asthma attack she had, (laughs) it it was actually, I think it was a social worker and a a hematologist. Hematologist. Yeah, Yeah. a person I think they are. It was. Um, She was actually there and she was the one actually giving the news. I think the social worker was just sort of hanging around. Mm. When she, I was expecting, all right, I've had another Mm. beds-related thing, but when she turned around and goes, Brad, we've, looked at your blood work you've actually your white blood cells are quite high and I'm sitting there going yeah that what's that mean <laughs> and she goes we believe you have some form of leukemia and it's one of those moments when I got when, once I heard leukemia it's like it it was like I was in my own little world everything just went quiet around me and all I could hear was leukemia and I'm sort of mm-hmm. sitting there in shock like am I hearing this like correctly mm-hmm. like leukemia like what what's the chances I've got this other rare condition? How that, unlucky can one person be? Yeah. And then to come back and say you've got a blood and bone marrow cancer on top of that, which is also a rare cancer to get. Yeah, and yeah, it's <laughs> at uncommon. that age, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then so they're not related at all. No, no, no related. So okay. the, the CML, the chronic myeloid leukemia, is what how I've been explained to is my body's just decided to produce white blood cells on its own which is then turned into this uh, uh, CMO, um, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is called the Philadelphia chromosome, which is how you work out if you've got CMO. Well, there's a lot of, of, like, the leukemias and the the myeloid Mm -hmm. leukemias are, like, super complicated. Like, it's so, it's, I mean, they're they're not, it's not rare, rare, but it's like, you're young and, um, and and they can you can manage it um in the nature of its name being chronic but it's still shit like it's still cancer it's still oh, leukemia yeah. like it's oh, still yeah. and i and isn't it funny how you have you have veds which could literally in a in at any moment yep like end you and you were like, yeah. oh, my God, I have leukemia. And that is yeah. what sent you into a town. Both of you were like, like, Holly, you just said, like, he could he, yeah. he could die. And I was like, yeah, like, isn't it funny how isn't it's that, that funny? diagnosis that was what tipped yeah. you both over the edge? 
So yeah. it's like anyone, like you hear the word cancer. anything to do with cancer. Yeah. Right away, think, oh my God, yeah. like, that's and amazing. I, and I think it's because we talk about cancer. Everyone right. knows about cancer. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, you know, you yeah. mentioned leukemia. Someone has heard about that before. And it's with Holly's family member just recently going through a cancer. Yeah. I was like, and situation and passing away. So I was, it was fresh in our minds. Yeah. 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 And, and after that, we sat back and then we kept saying to people, Oh, you know what? Vids is actually worse. <laughs> yeah. And we kind of just laughed at it. You know? Yeah. If you compare the pair, like that, compare the pair. For me, and what research and what we know, yeah. Vids is actually, I'd actually say Vids is the more serious because yeah. it's, a lot less known about. There's not really any medi- uh, confirmed medications which can help or yeah. cure. There's no cure that we are aware of. Yeah. Um, pretty and much. It's when not I was like you can with... test your body and be like, like you can test your blood work every month and be like, your yep. CML is stable. Your CML mm. is stable. The treatment is working. It's stable. It's mm. not like you can scan you and say, oh, that artery looks like it's about to dissect. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Let's jump in there. Like you can't actually yeah. do anything preventative for vets. Yeah, like pretty it's... much with with veg, you're prisoner to your own body. Your body uh, will decide what it wants to do when it wants to do, yeah. and you just have to take fate. it on the chin. Yep. Where CML is a little bit more known about it. Obviously, there's the the oral chemotherapy, which I take daily to help maintain my levels. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, as as the as the at the cancer center they told me was 20 years ago this cml diagnosis it was like a death sentence pretty yeah. much because mm-hmm. it was so not much known about the there was no uh there's no chemo there was no before. chemo which was mm-hmm. actively controlling it um but 20 years later they say you know if you can control it take your medications and keep it maintained um there's a high chance that you will die with the CML. It won't actually yeah. kill you, but you'll actually yeah, you die with it. Yeah. You won't die from it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. If you can keep it controlled and keep it at bay, um, because yeah. with it being a like a genetic switch, I've been told I'll never get rid of the leukemia. Mm. But if I can control it with the chemo and keep it at bay, I can live with it and yeah. live a relatively normal life. But then Beds might throw that out of whack. So, <laughs> so really, if if you compare the pair, I'd say the Veds is the more one that I'm a bit more worried about. Where yeah. if I can keep the CML controlled, then you know, of yeah. What <laughs> symptoms do you have with the CML? So, the main symptoms are is obviously the side effects. I get a lot of side effects from the. From the chemo. The chemo. Yeah. So on my bad days, I get uh, nauseous. I get um, really fatigued. I can be, you know, running to the toilet all day with, you know, diarrhea and um, itchy skin, especially Mm. with the weather heating up. I can get really itchy and irritated skin. Uh, What did some others hold? Um, I mean... Yeah, you've probably mentioned a lot of them. Yeah. Fatigue's a big one. Yeah. Like one day you can have energy and the next day you'd be so zapped or you can do something big yeah. and then you'd be zapped for a and week. That's, that's the crazy like, thing. Like one day you can mm-hmm. have like a day where you think, shit, I feel pretty normal. Mm. And then the next day you can be bedridden, running to yeah. the toilet with diarrhea and just feeling so crook, nauseous and itchy skin. It's 
it's one of those things you just got to take day to day because you know it just changes and then on top of that veds has its own mm. issues, like the fatigue's a common one with veds mm. and body aches the, and whatnot so with the two um conditions which are actually like uh are chronic so you have to live with them for yep. the rest of your life yeah how what impact has that on has that had on your life at the moment in the sense that you were working you were playing football you were a young dad, you were um, fit and active and healthy, and now yeah. you have two chronic conditions, um, and you're still a dad and you're still a husband. <laughs> so how yeah. how has what impacts has that had? I remember Holly used to drive you everywhere, <laughs> and um, yeah. yeah, and yeah, I, so like, those even those little things that we probably don't even think about. You know, like we get the cancer, the chemo stuff, yeah. like the fatigue and and nausea and all that. I think everyone understands that. But what about the impact of just the disease on your life? So when I was officially diagnosed with the VEDS, my specialist and all that through the Royal Melbourne and St. Vincent's at the time, they put me on uh, limitations and restrictions of what I can and can't do. So at the time, and it still is to this day, I couldn't lift anything over five kilograms. I couldn't climb or work at heights due to the risk of something happening and falling. Um, I couldn't operate heavy machinery. I couldn't drive for a quite a long period of time. You didn't drive for probably three years. Yep. So Holly mm. um, was driving me to and from work and two appointments. Um, so I was given all these restrictions. I was able to go back to work, but obviously, and at the time I was actually at Bunnings in Shepparton working. Um, so I was given all these restrictions, which then meant, my work had to then work around with me to get me a job position, which would suit where I wasn't putting myself at risk of any harm. So mm. that took a toll on me at work because you go from, you know, doing just a normal job, which you could pretty much do anything to getting a very limited uh, job position, which at the time meant like, you know, I felt like a bit like, how do I explain this? At the time, I felt like it felt like a bit of a burden. I a guess, bit, yeah, a bit of a burden yeah. on the rest of the team at work, and you know, I felt like I was always, you know, like if I needed to lift something heavy, I always had to get someone to give me a hand, or if I needed something from the top shelf for a customer, I couldn't operate that machinery, so I always had to go bug someone to go and operate the machine, or mm. I felt like a real burden with that. Mm. Um, and it was also because you kept having so many dissection in your body, like literally every six weeks, you had used up all your annual leave, all your sick leave, you're constantly mm. off work. Your job was then under light, you know, you were going to, you were going to end up losing your job because you were having yeah. so much time off because as soon as you have a dissection, they would say, right, you need to be on rest for six weeks. Yeah. Minimum of six weeks. They recommended that so I wasn't able to work. So yeah. no work then. Because Obviously, if the dissection, depending on the seriousness, if it didn't require surgery, they wanted me to have that minimum six weeks to allow my body to heal and hopefully, fingers crossed, that that dissection would heal by itself, which mm. luckily so far everyone has done. Yeah, I mean, that was six weeks off work. I used up a lot of my annual leave, no, all my holiday time. I was very lucky at the time that at Bunnings, my bosses and work were very understanding. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I had bosses and 
uh, work that, you know, weren't very understanding. They could have just said, sorry, Brad, this isn't working out. You're missing too much work. You're off. But I was so lucky that I had very good bosses who were understanding. And um, so anyway, so I was then put on all these limitations and I was able, you know, I, I had all these restrictions. Holly was still able to drive me to and from work. I was still able to work when I could. But when I was diagnosed with the CML, that pretty much put the nail, you know, in the coffin mm. working. And at the time, I was actually home because COVID had really hit my work bad. So due to my risk of my health and that, I was actually at home. I wasn't working at the time because COVID was so new. Mm. We didn't want to risk me getting COVID and then bringing it home to my family due to all my health situation. Yeah. So I was at home and um, when the, yeah, when the CMO diagnosis come, that was pretty much it. It was like, you know, work wasn't even on my radar. They told me you have to yeah. start chemo straight away. So what what else do you remember from that yeah. period? Whole, um, so you, you basically just let you stopped working. Yeah. You resigned yeah. and I said, look, there's nothing we can do. We've got a newborn baby. We've got Hunter. We can't like we. You need, you've got chemo now. You need to start chemotherapy. There's no way you're going to be able to go back to work now. And so you resigned. Yeah, and at the start of the treatment, I was so crook. Like, yeah, it was my body hadn't adjusted to it, and yeah. the side effects were kicking my ass really bad. And um, there was no way I was capable of working. And I and as from a employer's point of view, I was a you say I was very unreliable because some days yeah. I could come and some days I'd yeah. ring up and say, you know, sorry, I can't come sorry. In. Um, so I think we um, the decision um, that yeah, yeah um, I'd finish work and focus on treatment, and yeah. we actually decided to then apply for the disability um, support pension. Yeah. And yeah. which I was very lucky. I was actually within a week. I was due to the severity wow. of all my conditions. I was actually accepted within a week. You probably then... some poor person at Centrelink probably opened up your file and went, "Oh Whoa. Jesus Christ!" Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like who is let's this guy just give him everything. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "Yep, check." Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. thank you God. Hear a lot like... of horror stories with people yeah. doing yeah. support yeah. that yeah. they so, need to uh, hire their like legal team to push yep. their mm. push their um efforts where with me i was literally accepted within a week no problems whatever i think yeah with so much going on they just looked at it and went this guy's got a pad <laughs> just give it yeah. and did I'll, your specialists I, have to fill forms out for you because i know yeah. like i've had yeah. to um you know have forms filled out for patients for centrelink and the yeah. oncologists always write like they really do uh, make it and I always say to the patient when you read it uh you know we might not think it it, it yep. will sound worse than you are because you know yeah they know yeah, how did. shit the center link can be and so they'll often put yeah, extra information in there oh paperwork was unbelievable you like, needed a letter from your GP yeah a letter from a hematologist a letter from your cardiologist yeah and they <laughs> all have to fill it out and agree and yep. say they think you are unfit to work yeah and obviously it has to be a lifelong condition. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's going to impact your life, which these two conditions definitely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you have to have a lot of things fall into place to get 
there's <clears throat> disability. You don't realise it until you actually have to go yeah. for it, how hard it is to get the disability support. Yeah. And that's why I say I'm very grateful for how it worked out because I got it within a week, accepted no problems whatsoever. Mm. And then you hear of some other poor person who's got really bad health and they get denied and denied and denied. Yeah. So I'm very grateful to this day that I was accepted because financially it took a lot of pressure off me and Holly. I'm able to get my pension coming, which then can support Holly and the boys and the family. And I know it's yeah. a constant thing. And it, I don't feel then if I'm having a bad day and I'm bedridden, I don't feel guilty then on how am I going to, you know, provide yeah. money to help Holly. Yeah. I know it's constantly coming in yeah, and it's it's a bit of weight off your shoulders sort of thing. Did you know that in Australia, one in seven women are diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime? 57 Australians a day are diagnosed. While mammograms are free if you're over 40, you actually are notified about them until you're 50. So check your breasts at home every month or with a medical professional because early detection saves lives. BizCare have proudly partnered with the National Breast Cancer Foundation to support their goal of zero deaths from breast cancer. So join them in the inspiring movement to raise awareness and ignite discussions around breast health and getting your breast checked. So head to biz-care.com and join their fight. Go pink with BizCare. The breast things in life are worth getting checked. We have questions here um, for you, Holly, about, yep. uh, but I think you've answered it, some of them already <laughs> in there. <laughs> but um, obviously Brad's story is like, uh, it's like the way you talk about it is incredible. I've like I haven't spoken to either of you really, other than text messages about your conditions over the time, and I, and um to hear you talk about it, and and I know that Brad, you've you've worked with medical doctors and stuff, and and been um like a patient story for them when they've had training and things like that. So I'm sure you've told your story multiple times. Um, <laughs> And I think did you, you ever see that uh, vascular surgeon again? The one that was questioning. No. Oh yeah. No, oh, so what a shame you couldn't like no, rub so, it in oh, his face. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this he is did, funny. It was like two weeks after that I got the official diagnosis. I received a phone call from the actual, like one of the junior doctors or something that was learning under him, and she was like. Oh, hi, Brad. We just, we found out the news of your diagnosis and we are in absolute shock and couldn't believe it. We just wanted to apologize and say, you know, thinking of you and we're so sorry to hear because Mm -hmm. it's such a terrible condition. So I think they must have received the news and gone, oh my God, like we told you. Well, that's nice. Wasn't (laughs) going to happen. And then they've gone, we better ring up and see. And yeah. And it wasn't until, um, like, uh, like the next lot of medical like doctors um until you had a, a dissection in your your carotid artery the internal branch had tore mm. a couple of years ago now mm. and that then led to you know what is it like 12 people who were learning to be a doctor needed to do their exam their final exam before they could become a doctor yep. and mm. brad had this phone call to say hey you've got a really interesting condition can we use <laughs> and he was used as the exam and so he had constant phone calls and he'd sit there and answer all these questions and then these junior doctors then would have to go and do their exam and see you know like you've you've helped so many people in so many ways and raising awareness and people learning 
yeah, that, that yeah. was pretty crazy too because yeah, like I was I, I I had so many phone calls of just these random young doctors calling me and with going through all their questions they needed to ask and you know at the end of the day I thought look if it's going to help improve them as doctors then yeah. why not? Mm-hmm. they're going to have Absolutely. a bit of awareness about my conditions which then if someone else ends up in their care mm. maybe it will help them out and they'll sit there and go yeah. hey this reminds me of that fellow that had these conditions maybe yeah. we should look at this and mm. it was funny and- because I did all this case studies for them and then I ended up getting a phone call eventually <laughs> off like, the head honcho tester and they said look we're where that um uh, invested in your story and you've helped out so many of these doctors, we actually want to use you as the final exam piece. So I ended up being, being included as part of the final exam piece for them. And after it was all done, I actually received a card in the mail from that hospital and everyone um, and a gift card saying, thank you so yeah. much. You've helped out so many. And, you know, that was wonderful. I didn't, ne- I'd never did it for anything in return. No, but- of course. For them to do that, it was it was lovely, and you felt like you had like a, a little bit of a purpose. Yeah, it gave me a bit of. You kept saying like I've yeah. got purpose. I you know I've lost my job. A bit of positive yeah. come out of this, and hopefully, like I said, it can help these young doctors, and they can then put their learning skills onto the patients, and hopefully help out the patients in the future. So mm. that I felt proud about that because at least I felt like I was contributing to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, amazing. So yeah. I like I, yeah, and you will. You'll make a difference in their lives. I will forever think of of something that you said that um might you know they might see something similar and just think, oh, what about this condition or that condition? Yeah, and at the same time, it's also I always wanted to be a good role model for my boys, and obviously with them having beds uh, from inheriting myself. I always wanted to show my boys that, you know, it's okay to have this condition and health conditions yeah. and still be happy, still be positive, live yeah. a normal life to the best of your capabilities. I never want my boys to look at it and go, it's a burden. I want it to just, yeah. it's it's a speed hump sort of thing in your life, but then at the same time, they're going to know it's serious and what to look out for. Um, but I want, I want to talk to you guys about... Um your kids because obviously uh both your boys have got the vets gene are they both they both have the actual condition that can have the same thing as you brad or do they have the mosaic can you tell so so as far as we know they've got the exact same as me yeah Yeah. how what how it will affect their life we're unsure yeah obviously i've had a lot of issues but they may may be lucky enough where they don't get affected till later on in life or they may be very lucky and it never affects them yeah Yeah. it's sort of one of those things we're being told we just got to take it day by day month by month year by year and just you know ride the the roller coaster of it really and so far our seven-year-old um he's experienced his first dissection recently and that was behind his eye, mm. and that presented as vomiting, blurry vision, which could be look at, you know, a nurse or a literally doctor. anything. It yeah. could look like so many different things. Yeah. You know, oh, you might have a migraine, or yeah. you know, you might be got a viral infection, and it was no, his eye had dissected. Yeah, a little blood vessel in behind yeah. his eye. Yeah, and so like, and he's seven. And it was only because he was obviously flagged with the condition yeah. that they took it further yeah. and looked mm. into it more and investigated, which if he 
previously yeah. we would have just went if we didn't know he had beds yeah we'd be like oh no he's just done well and previously doctors yeah. and specialists might have just brushed that off as yeah. like you know oh yeah, yeah. yeah. but because of that you know confirmation <laughs> they took it a bit more serious which is great do you need to do any regular uh checks on them each year or anything like that as they grow yeah so the boys have a cardiologist and they go and see the cardiologist once a year and they have their ECGs and an ultrasound on both of their hearts and um, all the arteries in that area. Um, they also have had their first MRA, I think it's called, where they go under anesthetic and they do like the MRI of the body and they look at, they put the contrast through and they light up and they have a look and check everything out. This will continue for the rest of their life. And mm. car- currently, because they're children, they're through the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. And then as they progress into the adult stage, they'll probably go, yeah. obviously, to like the Royal Melbourne, like me. Yeah. And they have yeah. said to us too that, you know, later on, maybe when they get to like 16, uh, they probably will need to start aspirin um, and, you know, medications and stuff. They do like Hunter, one of his aortic branches um, or valves, sorry were um, enlarged and there was a little bit of issues there so they're keeping an eye on that for hunter i guess um just because the last time they measured that was didn't Mm. look too right but um in a positive note this is the beauty of them knowing knowing the condition because they Mm. can get this yearly monitoring and scans so if there is the slightest thing happening which we're unaware of it'll be picked up and hopefully it can be managed and monitored before mm. it gets anything too serious. Yeah. So, but... It must be really scary for you guys as parents. Yeah. Yeah, look. Uh, as, like, as, I don't want to say like helicopter parents, but I can imagine that like if you're at the playground or, you know, they're just doing normal kid things that always in the back of your mind there's like, oh, shit, like something. Yeah. We always say that yeah. Yeah, when hunters yeah, he started school and, and we looked at the playground. We were like, oh, my God, please don't fall off that because yeah. high impact causes dissection or whatever. And they bruise so easy. Like they've got translucent skin. They bruise easy. Like we were like, oh, my God, please don't fall off the playground or please no kid crash into them and let them fly. Like it, it just there was so many things. And they'd say to us they can't do contact sport now. Mm-hmm. They can't they're not really meant to fly because elevated blood pressure is not good. Um, mm-hmm. There were so many things that they were like, you need to guide them through their life and get them to not do. But it's like, how do you stop your child from playing with their friend's footy? How do you stop them mm-hmm. from running around playing chasey and going, you know, yeah. fall over? Yeah, like, like, you still, you, you want your kids to be safe, but then at the same time, you still want your kids to be, be kids, kids and to kids. enjoy yeah. life. So it's yeah. a real, it's so like, hard. it's hard. Um, and then on top of that, as parents too, like, like you guys would understand if you get crook or something, you'll as a parent, you're like, oh, I'll, I'll be right. But when it's your children, it's a totally mm. different situation. It's really scary. When mm. when we found out the boys had it, I was actually more worried about the boys. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm like, yeah. I'm a full full grown man. These are only little kids, mm. and like, and then you also got that guilt. Like, are the boys gonna like? not be happy with me when they're older because I've mm. given them this condition. Yeah. Are they going to, you know, are they going to be angry at me and say, Dad, because of you, i got this bloody health yeah. condition. And, but then it's it's the total fear of your children getting it. Oh, I couldn't care, care less about myself. Like, I know that's bad to say, but when it's your children, 
yeah. it's a totally different level of yeah worry. I think, um, and I don't know if this. I recently just went to a conference, uh, like literally yesterday, and um, it was all <laughs> um, fresh in her mind. <laughs> yeah, it's like created a lot of uh, content for me. I think, um, but <laughs> we we talked about this, um, uh, like patient rounding and and just. We'll probably roll our eyes because it's all big at the hospital at the moment. It but is, the actually. making, a, <laughs> um, um, <laughs> but there's a an acronym that they use uh, to do the rounding called AIDIT, which stands for like acknowledge, introduce, duration. Um, oh God, what does E stand for? Come on, you can do it. <laughs> explain, and then t- thank you. Right. And it's a way to approach and we had a couple of people that were speaking that had been patients or had been by the bedside of people who had been in um, in critical situations and, you know, things had happened to them and, and were happening around them and nobody acknowledged them. And, and one lady was like her father had been in a workplace accident and his body had been crushed and she was like, Everything was happening and people were coming and going and no one told us anything. And I just wonder, and I'm going to, we're going to do an episode on this AIDA because I actually think it's something that is so fast that nursing, any anyone in healthcare, anyone within a hospital setting, anyone in life really could do. <laughs> but like Holly, when, when um, Hunter had his first bleed and I know you went to hospital with him and I, you are the best advocate for your family. Like you, uh, <laughs> you can You're just. all over it. You haven't <laughs> nailed like those boys. I should are have been a nurse. Have you? you should have been a nurse, but you're going to be a teacher instead, aren't you? You're going to be like a beautiful teacher. Um, but I think that I wonder if if someone had if the people when you took him to the hospital and you were worried because it could it could be anything related to vets, and if it was around his head or his tummy, you know how serious that could be. Did people approach you in a way that made you feel comfortable and seen and heard and supported as a parent? Because it was COVID too, so I know. And, I mean, obviously you have Isaac at home and Brad at home and you went with Hunter. And, like, I just wonder from this patient experience, like you're talking to nurses, like um, both Jess and I, but obviously everybody that listens, like is there something that people did or didn't do that made that experience first time him going to hospital with this condition? Um, I feel like no one really asked if I was okay. Yeah. And no one kind of really went into depth about his past history. So I saw a lot of nurses that day because it was so busy. There was a lot of car crashes and there was a lot of things going on and I remember them they're in and out in and out and I was seeing so many different nurses they weren't the same ones I was repeating my story and I had a lot of them say oh what's that about his vids I'd explain and they're like oh yeah okay no worries oh he's probably just got a viral infection or something oh he's probably had a migraine and I just felt like it was kind of being brushed off a little bit and not really not not listening to me, but more just really paying attention to what I was saying. I wasn't just being a paranoid mum. Like I had been in situations before with Bradley, like 
I am a person who's attention to detail. I'll remember everything. I'll give you a rundown. I'll give you all the details you need to know. But they kind of just got the information and left and kept like they were so busy. So I saw so many faces, but no one actually was like, you're right. Do you need anything? Yeah. Like it was just give me, give me whatever information is. All right, bye. Hmm. Um, There was one nurse who I actually knew and because she was a parent at my son's school and he's actually friends with her son. And she was like, oh, my God, I saw your name, boy's son's name pop up. I was like, oh, God, why is he in here? And she shot out. She comes straight to see me and she yeah. was like, oh, like, like Holly, I'm so sorry. I mean, and, I mean, on a personal level, obviously, because she knew me, but I just think maybe I feel like sometimes we can get so caught up in you maybe your, you know, your occupation and the busyness and maybe we just don't stop to say, do you need anything? Are you okay? Like it was seven o'clock at night, like, you know, starting to get late. We were then there till like 2 a.m. in the morning. Um, Yeah, I feel, feel like maybe it was just, I think it's just how we speak to each other and maybe really acknowledge and what's happening. I know sometimes, mm. you know, they do see a lot of children and people can be helicopter parents mm. and, oh, my God, something's wrong with my child. Like, you know, and it can yeah. just be a viral infection. But in some cases it's not. And I just feel like if, if a child has a medical condition and I'm giving you the information that I know, like, to take take it on as a, as it, it might be, this yeah. could yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. And it's so true. Like, I mean... We all do it as nurses. Like, yeah. I mean, I think of the number of times that I probably didn't, you know, even just to say to people, oh, yeah. like, I'm, I'll be back in 10 minutes or I'll be back mm-hmm. in half an hour. Never yeah. give a time. No. No, but you should give a time <laughs> and then you should go back. You can like, never get back, but you yeah. never get back. Or and that this we is where, don't care enough. And this is where good rounding and the purpose yeah. behind rounding will actually change that, she says, yeah. after being at a conference for two days where everything was going <laughs> <laughs> um, But, yeah. I'm going to be the champion of the hospital, are you? going to, like, yeah, hell yeah. get it? <laughs> all of us are. We're all like, well, who are we going to round with? When are we going to round? Like- <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Brad, you're really involved in a charity for vets. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so I'm involved with uh, Annabelle's Challenge Vascular EDS Charity in the UK. Um, uh, there are lo- lovely, lovely people who run that charity who are personally affected by VEDS themselves with one of their own childs. Um, they actually started the charity. Um, I'll hold you want to explain this. You. Yeah, yeah. so <clears throat> initially... Before Bradley actually became the Australian ambassador for Annabelle's Challenge, we had Googled again, VEDS, and were linked <laughs> to this charity. And it had said, fill out the form and we'll link you into the groups and it will provide support. And we were like, this is great. Finally, someone else that has VEDS and we can connect to people. And they reached out and said, oh, look, you're in Australia. Like, we only know of a, a couple of, you know, a group of people that have got VEDS over there. And they really, started to connect with us and we built that relationship and then they 
kind of said to Bradley, like, you know, would you join us in being an ambassador for, for Australia for people with VEDS? And so you joined Annabelle's Challenge. And Annabelle's Challenge, like Bradley said, is in the UK and they um, raise money to fund research for VEDS. And they have been um, currently, they're in a lot of research projects at the moment for VEDS um, to find out, you know, different ways maybe to support people with VEDS or, you know, for the future. And they're incredible. Like we are so grateful for them because, you know, it kind of, again, it gave you another purpose. You joined the um, Annabelle's Challenge. We, they have a a special um, day called Reds for VEDS, which is once a year in May, I'm pretty sure. And you wear red. And you share it on social media with the hashtag Reds for Veds. And the point is to get it across the globe yep. to raise awareness for it. And that's something that, you you know, we're both really passionate about getting out there. We all wear, wear our red T-shirts and take our photos. And <laughs> and it's yeah. uh, and I will say it's a real honour to be asked by um, Jared. Jared, Jared and co at Annabelle's Challenge to be the Australian mm-hmm. ambassador. I never expected that. I actually just joined as a patient and ended up building yeah. a relationship with them and then they asked if I would do that and it was an honor like it's another way I feel like I'm giving back to the vets community and yeah. raising that awareness and hopefully it's by doing this and helping other people in Australia it's um going to help them out in the long run Mm. And, I just um, quickly live challenge. googled to see how many people in Australia have vets cuz I was like interested yeah, and it says, and I obviously the first thing that comes up is Annabelle's challenge, and it says there's only 280 yeah. people in Australia, an estimated 280 people, yeah. who have been diagnosed yes. with that. Yeah, like that's yeah, a so very small number of people. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> and yep. and unfortunately, I've been told the sad thing about VEDS is most of the time people find out they got VEDS after they've passed. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's, there's probably other people out there but just have no idea or haven't had any issues. But in saying that too, it's also a rare condition, so there may not be a lot of people. Mm. But yeah, that's, um, right. that's the sad reality. A lot of people yeah. tend to find out after they've passed due to a health issue and yeah, that's how they're linked into the beds. Yeah, that's really yeah. sad. And I, I suppose is, I didn't yeah. think about that because, like, yeah, I mean, if you just have a big, um, a big, catastrophic bleed um then you're not gonna know if that's your first bleed like (laughs) yeah that's right a a big thing is uh family if you've got a family history it will really help with the you know the journey to a diagnosis Um, and we've met a lot of families who have lost family members lost children lost mm. their parents Mm. a lot of the time and they say, like, I didn't know I had VEDS until I lost my dad or my mum or my brother or my sister or my child. Mm. Some people yeah. have lost their children. Which, unfortunately, is obviously the case in our family. Yeah, me personally yeah. losing my mum and then finding mm. out through my diagnosis that she had VEDS and that's what caused her yeah. issues. Mm. And, um, but, yeah, Annabelle's Challenge, they do a They're great incredible. job. They're incredible. They're lovely people. We've met them. They've come over to Melbourne for a support group meeting, and that was lovely to meet them face-to-face. Yeah. Um, and they can be found on social media. So yeah. on Instagram, all you have to do is look up Annabelle's Challenge. 
um, and Reds for Veds that'll yep. pop straight up. Yep. Um, they're also on Facebook. Google. Um, Google. And, Google, and yep. you, yeah, you can just link to them straight away. Easy to find, aren't they? Yeah. Hmm. Do you, um, are there any support groups in Australia? Like, do you do anything with Australian people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there is a few um, Facebook groups actually where you can join um, and it's like, is it Vascular Alice Dunloss um, support group? Um, yeah. There's a few on there. Um, but there's also the Annabelle's Challenge. They have one group in particular. Um, <clears throat> and then we also have a little chat for people in Australia and it's just okay. the Australians who have feds. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, we swap stories and we talk about it. Um, and there's also a group for just um, partners mm. or family because in my situation, I don't have vids, yeah. but my whole family does. And, <laughs> so, and, and that's um, the power of social media is yeah. you can find a lot of those groups through Facebook. Yeah. Uh, and you don't even have to be in Australia. Like There's worldwide groups, yeah, there's groups that, yeah. for vids yeah. from people all over the world that have vids and you can connect with mm. them, you can relate to them, yeah. share your stories. And in doing that, you're not feeling isolated or alone yeah. because it's very, very unlikely you will walk down the street and run into someone else with beds. Yeah. That's just the nature of this syndrome. Mm, yeah. um, but then it's crazy. On the other hand, you can jump on Facebook on one of these groups and connect with someone over in America yeah. who has it yeah. or uh, England yeah. or, you know, it's it's unbelievable. And I think the other part is because you connect so much and you meet so many people, there's also the sad reality of it. A lot of people do pass away. Yeah. And so you do make those connections and then you you wake yep. up one morning and that's it's social media is so hard because then you, you read it and you're like, oh. And that that's a big, like, obviously so day-to-day life, you can sometimes forget your health conditions because you're so mm-hmm. busy and invested, in, yeah. especially if you've got kids. And then the next, like Holly was saying, you'll you're wake up and you'll see someone in the VEDS community. It may not be in a australia it might be on the other side of the world it's passed like there was a couple of really young kids that passed away with it and like i think the one was like a 12 year old and this was quite yeah. a while ago and i remember sitting there that morning going bloody hell like and he's it- and his mum had only written on the the facebook page 24 hours beforehand saying please think of my son he's been taken you know to hospital and ed um he's got tummy pain Mm. um yeah please pray for him and and then the next day we woke up and he was on social media and he passed away from Mm. um, a dissection yeah and we and it's just it then you go back to reality of you're reminded and it's a it's a big wake-up call when Mm. that happens too because you're Mm. sitting there and go it reminds you of the seriousness and what could happen and and then straight away as a parent you can't you straight away think about your kids like what if that was my kid Mm. like 12 years old that poor child has not even lived a life like that I think mentally that's the hardest part is we really had to go through the process of going okay you've got it Mm. our children have got it we don't know what's going to happen we've got to live every day and just enjoy life and not take it for granted yeah you know tomorrow's like for the average person tomorrow's not promised but obviously if you've got health Mm. issues it's you know, a bit more limited. Yeah. So I think that's why we're so positive. We advocate, we think it's really important to talk about it, to get it out there instead of just keeping it to ourselves. Mm. We're happy to talk about it. We're happy to advocate for VEDS. Yeah. 
because we think it's so important to get the information to as many people as we can. Yeah, at the end of the day, I'm happy to be a guinea pig for the hospitals. <laughs> I'm happy to, you know, if someone asked me go on Channel 7 News or whatever, I'd do it. If it's going to yeah. help someone out there raise awareness, get the word out, I'd yeah, do it. Because at the end of the day, I feel like I've helped people. I'm doing something that hopefully, you know, the more information out there will hopefully maybe one day lead to a cure. And, and that's, then that's all we can hope for. We yeah. really hope one day there's just like a breakthrough of. And e- even, even if it's not a cure, hopefully it's a medication that can really, you know, exactly. put, a, put, put a hold on the devastating effect of VEDs. And, you know, it, I may not see it in my lifetime, but if my kids do them, that, that is fantastic. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for both being here today. No worries. Thank I you mean, so much for having me. Yeah, you're both you. incredible humans and, um, you know, you've just, you've never let either diagnosis really bring you down. Like, I mean, I love watching you on social media. You moved, um, you did a big sea change as soon as you were well <laughs> enough and we're like, screw our little town. We're fucking off to the yeah. ocean. <laughs> And um, you're always, you know, off doing something. And I, and I, like, I know social media is a highlight reel, but I, you know, we appreciate that in between those moments, you know, there are moments where you're literally in bed smothered in cats and your kids. So, like, <laughs> so. You know, I just yeah. had a, um, it's pretty much a plug for my own social media account. Um, so I actually have a Instagram account and it's all about my journey with cml and vets um it's a day-to-day life and you know just a bit of information so if anyone would like to follow that the the page you you can look up is vets underscore zebra um yeah yeah we'll link you to his public profile my ugly mug will pop up (laughs) you just stole uh you stole jess's line brad you stole jess's yeah you stole my line Error of mind reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have yeah, to thank, improv. Thank you so much for having us on. It's been yeah. a, a yeah. pleasure. And, uh, we hope it can, you know, some nurses can gain some more information yeah, about this. Definitely. And, yeah. and learn from that. And yeah. Yeah. We will Amazing. link um we'll link everything in the sh- I'll steal Jess's line and then she can do my line instead. No, you're, no, you're stealing. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll link everything in the show notes for like Annabelle's challenge and for your Instagram page and um yeah. and then just where people can go to get a bit more information if they're interested in the VEDs and um and yeah, what they can do. I mean, lots of nurses will listen, so hopefully they'll they might get triggered by something if, you know, people come in and yeah, yeah, that's right. Maybe maybe the nurses that listen that haven't dealt with me before too. So yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of Melbourne nurses. So I think I remember that heavily tattooed guy. The bald. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast. Be sure to rate us five stars on the podcast platform you are listening to us on. Also, don't forget you can follow us on facebook in our private group just search two humorous nurses podcast um and send us an email if you want um to hello at two humorous nurses.com that's humorous like the bone h-u-m-e-r-u-s bye bye